Welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers on irishtalkers.com. Welcome Toastmasters, Whoopi Toastmasters listeners and friends to part two of this week's Talk Show for Talkers here on irishtalkers.com. And I'm delighted to be bringing you this week a, a humorous speech, a winning humorous speech in fact, but this is not from England or Ireland or America or any other naturally English speaking country, though they do speak English uh, regularly. It is from District 114. District 114 is East Africa and it covers, well there are 15 areas with 53 clubs in Uganda, Kenya and Rwanda currently but it does cover the whole of East Africa. This is a speech by Matthew George, and it was his winning speech. It's entitled, Mistakes Make the Man. Enjoy. Man makes the mistakes, and mistakes make the man. You and I were born to make mistakes. By virtue of being human, it's in our DNA. But as we like to say in Kenya, me, I was born special. Have you ever made a huge mistake in your life? If you have, say I. Now count all those I's and multiply them by a factor of 2 to the power of 87.5 times infinity squared. That's how many mistakes I've made in my life. You see, Thomas Edison tried 10,000 times before he finally made the light bulb. I've made 10,000 mistakes and I still haven't had my light bulb moment. <laughs> You all know Mark Zuckerberg? That's me with mistakes. <laughs> Only if I had my own social media site, it would be called Mistake Book. <laughs> you know Steve Jobs? That's me with mistakes. Only my name would be Steve Can't Get a Job. <laughs> but I wasn't always like this. Maybe the reason for all my mistakes began long before I was born. Nine months, to be precise. You see, by mistake, my parents told me that I was a mistake. But they kept me, thank God for that. The night before I was born, my father was having a party at my house, his house. The drinks were flowing, the music was thumping, everyone was having a good time. In fact, they slept at 2 a.m., but I would have none of it. By 5 a.m., my mother's water broke. She turned over in bed and tapped my father and said, George, it's happening. We need to go now. My father must have thought he was dreaming because he mumbled in his sleep, hmm, it's okay. We'll go in the morning. The baby can wait. My mother yelled at the top of her lungs. The whole neighborhood woke up. He got into the car, my father, poor guy, drunk as a skunk. He got in. We all got in. <laughs> And at 7 a.m., I was born. The man who makes the mistakes had been made. Fast forward a few more years to when I was six years old. And I had this peculiar fear of turning off the bathroom light. Now, to explain this fear, we have to go back to the village in India. You see, in the village, the toilet or the bathroom is a distance away from the main house. Now, in case you're wondering why, it's because if things go badly in the toilet, the house is safe. 
But the problem with India is we have these huge cockroaches. And they're no ordinary cockroaches. They're special. They can fly. So I used to take my shower in the corner of the bathroom, praying that the cockroach decides not to fly today. And when I was done, I used to switch off the light and make a dash for the main house. Now I imported this fear to Kenya. When I used to take a shower, I used to do it in my parents' bathroom. I finish off, dry myself off, switch off the light and run into the parents' bedroom, across the hallway and into my room. Now one day, I was following the standard protocol. <laughs> I finished my shower, I dried myself off, I switched off the light and I ran, naked as a jaybird, <laughs> into a room full of ladies. My mother's friends. Halfway through the run, I noticed all these eyes staring at me, confused and amused. <laughs> this made me run even faster. I reached the door, but to my shock, it was locked. I made a U-turn and ran back into the bathroom, the dark bathroom. You see, I'd much rather face the monsters in there than the ones out here. <laughs> Needless to say, after that day, my fear of cockroaches, dark bathrooms, and monsters disappeared. Fast forward a few more years to when I was 13 years old. And like many boys that age, I had to face the knife. You all know what that means? If you don't, you'll have to Google it, because the rules prevent me from explaining any further. <laughs> the surgical procedure was done, and I was taken home to rest with nothing but a kikoi to cover me. Unfortunately, that day we had guests. <laughs> Even more unfortunate, they had a daughter my age. You see, my parents told her parents that I had faced the knife, but they didn't tell her because she's a child. She happily skipped into the room, ready to play hide and seek as usual, not knowing that that day I would rather just hide and not be sought. <laughs> she came closer. I said, stop. She said, why? I said, because I, uh, I, uh, I have a flu and I don't want you to get it. She said, oh, that's so sweet, Matthew. To my relief, she left the room. Not to my relief, I heard her say to her parents in the next room, Mom, Dad, I think he got it from me. I had the same thing last week, but now it's gone. <laughs> Needless to say, her parents never came visiting a long time after that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, these three stories tell you why I'm like this, full of mistakes, more than the ordinary person. Have you made a huge mistake in your life that you were hung up on? Well, I'm here to tell you that it happens to all of us, but you come out of it a better person. It's also OK to laugh at yourself. Because if you don't laugh at yourself, people will laugh at you. If you do laugh at yourself, people will laugh with you, like you're laughing with me. So ladies and gentlemen, I invite you, take off the towel, take off the kikoi, and let's make mistakes, and let's laugh at them. Because man makes the mistakes, and mistakes make the Mr. Conscious Chair. Well, Paul, what do you think of that as a humorous speech? A spliffing speech. Jolly good stuff, that's what I say. I have to say that it was a rollicking laugh from beginning to near the end. I was uh, rolling in the aisles, and I thought it was really superb the way it became so edgy 
later on, so much so that the speaker had to refer the entire audience to the internet rather than be explicit about what he was speaking. <laughs> no, it was good fun. It was uh, very good fun. What, one of the things I found very uh, striking about the speech, on the assumption that this speech has won a contest somewhere, is it? I'm it, right, Mario. This speech won something. Didn't it won it? the District 114 Humor Speech Contest, yes. Right. If you pay attention to where the laughs come and the audience warmth and the evident attention, uh, you'll find that it occurs during the first uh, three quarters of yeah. the speech. Yes. Perhaps the first four-fifths of the speech. The, the speech goes from giving a whole lot of laughs to the audience to getting around to saying stuff about how it's good to have people laughing with you rather than laughing at you or whatever it actually said at the end. But there was a deep and serious piece of wisdom, in inverted commas, at the end. And there were very few audience laughs during that part. And I found that quite interesting because the speech was welcomed tremendously I think the humour in it was the early part. Yeah. The last part of it was mm. serious. Now, that raised a question in my mind about whether it's quite a good tactic if you're entering a Toastmasters contest to get people laughing a lot at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But in order to be able to have any kind of a decent ending, it's much easier to say something serious. Mm -hmm. So you end on a serious note, having got all your laughs in the beginning and the middle. I had never thought of this before. In fact, I'd never noticed any successful humorous speech ending with so little laughter. Well, I, I actually go along with you 100%. That my notes sort of were, were similar. I made a lot of notes about the, the initial jokes, which were very funny. Silly things like infinity squared. You know, anyone who knows anything mm. about mathematics will, will find mm. that very amusing. And mm. his 10,000 times and light bulb moment and mistake book and confused and amused. You know, they were good. They were good jokes. And the first two stories were funny. The births and the bathroom story. The face tonight story, I think, fell flat. And I, I didn't, uh, the audience liked it, but I, I didn't see, it didn't amuse me particularly. And his conclusion, yeah, I think because it was a serious conclusion on a humorous speech, I think he could have made it shorter. But that's my simple thoughts on the speech. But I enjoyed it overall. It was a cracking speech. Probably deserved to win. Yes, I often wonder what happens to people who win Toastmasters humorous speech contest do they go on to become successful stand-up comics yeah i don't know probably not because humorous speech and stand-up comedy are two very very different skills but anyway well i was just, just thinking to... that this person whose name i forget i must confess matthew george did, did a pretty good stand-up type of succession of very short that's uh, true early one-liners yeah. that, that is true followed then by two or three longer pieces. I, I think it was a very, very well-constructed, planned speech. It's mm -hmm. A lot of thought went into the balance between quips, short stories, 
and morale. Yeah, indeed. On that note, we'll finish this section and I invite you to come back tomorrow for part three when Paul will be talking about putting the Toastmasters International website to work. We'll see you then. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website irishtalkers.com for more information.